The choices you make and specifically the way you choose to see God matters. How you choose to interpret the circumstances of your life matters because what you choose to believe about Him is who you'll show others that He is. Will you choose to see Him through the eyes of fear and doubt or through the understanding of a God who not only loves us, but is love? Join me today as we learn to see Him rightly, as we learn to choose love. Well, it's time for Choose Love again. I am excited to be here with you. Sometimes I get in my head a little bit about these because I so want to give you something that's authentic and real, but I am such an external processor that sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to say until I just start talking and it just comes out. But um, especially uh, last week, this week, and probably next week as well. I'll, I'll probably do a part two of what I'm going to talk about today. But um, if you haven't watched last week, I, I, I covered your personal Great Awakening, your personal Jesus Revolution. And I talked a little bit about what it's like when you are fully awake and fully alive and, and what it means to be fully present with your whole heart. And then we talked about how Jesus was the perfect model of that. And he allowed himself, even though he was fully God and he could, you know, access the victory that already was won. And he knew by the spirit how to connect um, with his father in heaven. Yet he was fully present with every single person in front of him. He allowed himself to feel what, what someone like us would be limited to feeling in a situation. Lazarus, even though he was going to raise him from the dead, he fully knew what would happen next, but he grieved and he was sorrowful and he, he hurt for the people that he loved. While at the same time, he was fully connected to every single one of us that would ever live because he was there to connect humanity back to God, our Father. So kind of um, picking up where I left off on that, I, I talked about these two videos that I watched. Actually, at the point that I um, filmed last week's, I had only watched one of them, and now I've watched part two. So I'm going to put those both in the link, uh, as links again in the description. Um, one is called Becoming a Powerful Woman, part one, and one is part two, but it's also um, called, part two is also called um, Doing the Right Work. Both of these are on Jonathan and Melissa Helser's podcast, and even though Melissa is on there with three of her coworkers, girlfriends, um, and they are you know, really targeting women in their conversation, I promise you this is applicable to all of us, not just women. And so um, especially, I hope that if they ever see this, they give me grace because I'm going to steal absolutely everything, all of the revelation that they shared. And I kind of want to rehash it in some of it in my own words, some of it I'm literally 
I took extensive notes and wrote it down just like they said it because it was just so powerful and profound. I wanted to say it the way they said it. So I'm going to give them credit for anything that is good that comes out of this. Um, I so appreciate, you know, their vulnerability and having that conversation, these four women on camera so that we could glean and learn from what God has been doing in their midst, um, in their community that they have there in, I think it's North Carolina. So um, today's episode, I am calling Committing to the Work, Committing to the Work. And um, maybe a subtitle would be Committing to the Work of Taking Care of the Interior of Who You Are. And again, those are words straight. I think those particular words are from Melissa Helser herself. Committing to the work of taking care of the interior of who you are. So I'm going to start with prayer and then I'll um, jump right into it. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you right into our midst. Um, wherever we are listening to this, watching this, you are present and we acknowledge you right now. And we just still ourselves. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to still us from the inside out. Even if we're listening while we're out and about or driving, would you just come to that, that core of who we are and go deep? Speak your words of life today over each one of us in our personal midst, in the midst of who each one of us is. We welcome you. Do your work, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, all right. So I want you to picture yourself. I, I always have these analogies, but I want you to picture yourself in your living space. Okay. Um, as it represents your soul, the interior of who you are, your heart, the way you process life, your emotions, um, your mentality about things, your beliefs, um, maybe some of the lies that you believe, some of the victories that you've had, some of the places that feel like failure, just all of it, all of the interior of who you are, picture that as your home or your living space. And, you know, in, in our generation, unfortunately, we've seen um, a mental illness called hoarding. And if you've watched any of those shows before or seen on social media, people that have struggled with that, um, slowly over time, someone who is is a hoarder is someone who has literally been unable to get rid of most everything in their lives. And it just literally piles up in every space, every vacant space in their home. And if you watch the shows and you see you go in with the cameraman and literally things are piled up to the ceiling and with narrow pathways, usually just, you know, maybe a kitchen sink is left available, maybe, um, a toilet, a bed or space on a bed, and that's it. Like by the time someone gets into the full-blown expression of this mental illness, they, they literally have no room for anything else. And then you, you can imagine the problems that come with that from it being um, a hazardous place to live in terms of a fire ever caught fire there, just they, how would they even get out um, 
to, you know, the, the stench of, of things that are rotting that they can't get to, um, that, you know, critters get in there. Um, if they have animals, then, you know, they found that there's like dead animals in mixed in with all their stuff that they, they don't even know is there. Um, old food, garbage, things that, um, have started to rot and decay. I mean, it's, it's really intense. And so I want you to picture, you know, to some degree, the things that are going on in our inner world and in our interior in the core of who we are, if they are left unattended to specifically by the Lord, it piles up and it does the same kind of damage that we see in an outward way. It does in an interior way in the core of who we are. Um, it's tragic because it eventually affects every part of who you are. You find out that typically people that are hoarders end up having, you know, hardly any relationship with others because no one can become a part of their intimate life. They can't have anyone over. They've pushed out literally people that, you know, often have been with them, their partners or their spouses or their children, because there is no room left for them. So I'm really kind of hitting home that, that analogy, that picture for you, so that we can see the importance of doing the interior work on the inside of who we are. One of the things I mentioned for myself, and maybe some of you can relate to this, is, you know, I've been pretty good, especially like in my late 30s, early 40s, with going after the things that kept rearing their ugly head in my life that would affect relationships and that would um, get me just so full of shame and feeling like that's not the real me. I just want to be the real me. Um, I've often said, you know, I remember being in a grocery store one time with, I don't know if it was one of my kids or all of my kids. And, you know, I didn't really care. I did and didn't really care what the, the cashier thought of me, but I was clearly frustrated and stressed out shopping and having my kids there with me. And I don't know if it had to do with my kids or not. It might have, um, but I remember looking at her and just going, this is not who I really am. Like as if she cared, <laughs> you know, but it was just so, it was, it was so, um, upsetting to me to, to be as Paul described himself. I do the very things that I don't want to do. This is not the real me. And it's easier when I think you can just call out blatant sin, like, addictions and, um, you know, choices that are clearly, um, you know, part of the Ten Commandments, don't do these things. But it's harder to recognize when it's like just anxiety and irritation and control and manipulation, the more subtle um, behaviors that come from more subtle um, roots in our lives. So where was I going with that? Um, so in my 30s and 40s, I started dealing with those types of things and really going 
with the Holy Spirit into the interior rooms of my heart and of the seasons that I had been through in life and going after the, the roots. And we're going to talk about that later, the roots of, of where some of these things were coming from. And um, I, was, I was wanting to live from my whole heart. And yet my whole heart was, was compartmentalized because of trauma and pain and things that I had not yet fully dealt with by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I, I was committed to the work. I did the hard work and I did the right hard work. And we're going to talk about that later as well. But what I was expressing last week is that there's an area of my heart and my life that is an ongoing source of pain and trauma. And it doesn't seem to have a resolve right now. Um, and it's something that is out of my control, but it's so painful. Like it's, it's at the most core place of who I am. And the fact that I can talk to you about it without just bawling, crying is proof that it's something that I've had to like figure out, do I push it to the side? And so I'm very much in a process right now with the Holy Spirit very recently of, of, of going after that place in my heart. So what I'm trying to say is it, maybe you've done some great work with the Holy Spirit and in, into the roots of your, your soul and issues going on in your own heart and life, but maybe there's some ongoing things that the Holy Spirit will still continue to um, draw out of you. And as long, you know, basically what the Holy Spirit's most recently showing me is that as long as there is an ongoing source of pain and disappointment, I'm going to have to continue to daily and sometimes moment by moment come to him with that. And we're going to get into what that looks like. So whether you are needing to go after some things from early on in your life or things that are continuing to develop in your heart, um, this is for you. Um, so how do we go about cleaning up the messes of the interior of who we are? I'm always surprised at the, there's a, what am I trying to say? There are people that I come across, like when I'm looking at social media and you see the little reels go by. And once you get interested in one, then they send you a bunch, right? Because they think they know what you want to see more of. So if I look at something like where somebody is uh, the kind of person that goes in and cleans up those type of messes, then I just keep seeing more and more of those. So I've been seeing these people that are literally gifted. They're anointed. They go into homes like hoarders homes or homes that have just been maybe an elderly person has lived there for years and just hasn't been physically capable of cleaning up after themselves. And they, they love the challenge. They go in there and there is a clear before and after, but the commitment that it takes and the help that is needed to go in, especially for a hoarder's house. Like you have to go in, you, you can't just, you know, I guess you could just tear the whole house down, but that person, their, their sanity is connected to 
what they've been accumulating all of their lives. They're entangled with the things that they've accumulated. And in the same way, we become entangled. Our, our spirit, our soul, our emotions, and sometimes even our physical bodies become entangled with the pain and the trauma and these deep rooted places that need our attention and they need the attention of the Holy Spirit. And so it is work. But as I have said before, life is work. It's going to be work either way. And probably in part two, we'll get more into this, but I'll give you a little teaser now. The, the work of using the same analogy, a hoarder has to work to function in a house that doesn't flow, that doesn't have access to what they need and work hard to, to not be overwhelmed by everything that is in their midst and the lack of relationships and the lack of, of peace that they have and to continue to collect more things and find places to stuff it and still function, right? Does that sound familiar? So it's gonna be work whether you ignore the root issues and you just continue to try to manage your behavior rather than actually go after the root of what's causing the anxiety, what's causing the control, what's causing the rage, whatever the outward manifestation of it is, it's a lot of work to feel all of that and manage it so that you can still function in life. So why not do the right work? And that is what I so appreciate about that second video that um, I'll probably cover in part two. All right, so how do we do the work? And, and, and we're gonna get into that, but what I wanna touch on right now is I wanna go through, and this may be all that we cover in this session, um, but I wanna go through what are the blessings? What is the fruit of actually committing to and doing the work of taking care of the interior of who you are? What are, what are the blessings? What, what would be the fruit of that? So I'm going to get into listing those, but first I want to read to you um, a couple of scriptures. One is 1 Corinthians 3 and um Let's see. I'm in the Passion Translation. I'm not, I'm going to read this out of context, so I will warn you of that. It still has some powerful truth to it, but it's not the way Paul meant to actually uh, communicate. It's not what he meant to communicate, but I'm still going to draw out of how he phrased some things. His language in this scripture really gives us some insight just in and of itself. Um, and first of all, I just want to tell you that the word work or work out um, in Hebrew just basically means to do something that produces results. So think of that when you hear the word work, it's you're doing something that's going to produce results. So work is not spinning your wheels. It's not just exhausting yourself and it accomplishing nothing. True work by by definition, produces results. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is, is talking to um, the Corinthians. And in verse 3, chapter 3, he says, You are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, 
Is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you're living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. All right, so we're going to look at a few of these words. Dominated. Dominated means it is consuming you. It is it is become your hyperfixation. And and it's a mindset of the flesh, okay? We often think of the word flesh as just like the bad part of us, something that, you know, gravitates towards sin. And yes, it is that, but it's more than that. It can also be simply our our feelings, things that we feel so deeply, but they're emotions. They're not necessarily and typically not the truth. Um, and oftentimes our emotions are rooted in lies and beliefs that we have that are incorrect about ourselves, about God, about someone else, about a situation. And so when we're fueled by or dominated and hyper fixated on, um, on something that's, that's more connected to our flesh than the spirit realm, which the spirit is what gives us life and light and truth, then we have to interrupt that cycle, that hyper fixation and what I will go on to cover um, later by calling it a thought loop. I had never heard that expression before until Melissa and these beautiful young women um, began to talk about the thought loops that they found themselves stuck in. And um, just briefly, I'll say that that what I took it to mean, a thought loop, is is when you get hyper fixated on an issue or a situation where you just you just go over and over and over again in your mind. You're having this conversation, this dialogue within yourself about something that's bothering you or um, something you're trying to fix or control or manage um, or get on top of. I hope that sounds familiar to you, okay? So we hyper fixate. It's a mindset of the flesh and it is exhausting. It is what wears us out. We'll find out later what actually fuels that. But the way you interrupt that is by asking questions. And in a moment, we'll get into the kind of questions we need to ask. But he models that for them here. He says, ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? He's saying, let's look how this is work. How is this working for you? How is leaning into your own flesh, way of processing what's going on or your own life. How is that working for you? What is the fruit of that? Are you jealous of others? Are you comparing yourself? Are you being competitive? Are you taking sides? That is childish. So he, in the same scriptures where he talks about, you know, rather than being fed with milk, being fed with the meat of the word and being able to um, not be like babies that can only handle milk, right? So we need to be able to digest the the bigger things that God has given us um, in life to be a part of and to make, um, to consume as part of who we are that feed us spiritually. But we cannot consume 
the the more challenging things that God has for us and mature um, until we go after what we're dominated by. He goes on to say, um, this proves that you're living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, he says it again, and behaving like unbelievers. Okay, unbelievers, you typically think of as anybody who's not a Christian. And it certainly can mean that. And we use that, that way of talking when we refer to believers or followers of Jesus. But I think that unbelievers can also refer to anyone who doesn't believe correctly. So there is an unbelieving part oftentimes of who we are as Christians, as followers of Jesus, because we're in the process of, of having our belief system, um, you know, matured. And... So think of this as unbelievers, those who don't believe. So we're behaving like those who don't believe when we get stuck in these thought loops. And we'll understand more of that in a moment when I, when I break it down a little bit more. He goes on to say, um, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. So he's contrasting here the difference between having a, being dominated by the mindset of the flesh, just caught up in this swirl of emotions and thought loop that's taking us nowhere, that's exhausting us. It's work, but it's the wrong work. And he's contrasting that with people that have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's influence. So the Holy Spirit himself is the one that pulls us out if we will allow him of the hyperfixation the thought loops that are exhausting us and leaving us spinning our wheels and not producing fruit from the work that we do in our lives and our hearts goes on to say in verse um what verse is this? Verse eight, uh, no, nine, we are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. So here's two more um, pictures or analogies for us. We are, we are gardens that God himself is cultivating. He gets in there and Melissa Helser talks about pruning. Um, and we'll talk about that in part two, but, but a garden is something that is is uh, fluid and it's a process and every single part of the garden is in its own cycle and season of being cultivated and nurtured and weeded and tended to and tested by the heat and the, the droughts that come and, and pruned back and pruned back and then seasons of actually bearing fruit and... Um, and, you know, oh, there's so much in there I won't go into. But then the other picture is the house that he's building. And we talked about that in terms of, um, you know, like a hoarder's house versus, you know, let's look at the opposite of that. A home that is, is maintained. A home that's maintained and that it's not like pristine, but it's, 
orderly and everything has a place so you know where to find things when you need them and you're not overwhelmed by your stuff but your stuff serves you you don't you know i used to find myself saying oftentimes because i bought way too many toys for my kids in the beginning years and i was like my job that i did not sign up for is i'm a stuff mover i just move stuff from one place to the next back and forth i'm constantly having to move and sort and and clean up and i think that's what's so hard about being a young parent for men and women it's like in your household, you don't get to see the fruit of what you do because it's constantly being undone. But I don't know why I'm saying that. Anyway, just to validate some of you out there. Um, but but when a house, especially the interior of us, at, us as homes, when we have sorted through things as they come, you know, as they come to us, when we sort through them with the power of the Holy Spirit, things don't get just quickly shoved under the bed. They don't get just piled up over here and then you can't find what you need when the Lord speaks something to you. It's It goes in the right place and accomplishes what it needs to and then it's ready and there for when something else similar comes up in the future that you need to deal with in the same way, if that makes sense. All right, then he goes on to say, um, let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. So there's work that's going to be done on your house, who you are that is being built. And yet it has to be the right work done to his standards, which is why I say this is not work that we do apart from the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. But it goes on to say, I'm going to get to some notes in a minute, so I'll just skip to them now. We can't build our house alone. God actually anoints others and their hands to come in at the right time in the right way to help build who we are. And so not only can we not do this without the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uses other people. Um, and then just to finish up 1 Corinthians 3, the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. Verse 14, if his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Again, I know this is out of context in the way that Paul originally meant it. He was talking about, um, you know, our, our salvation and the choices that we make and being you know, tested by fire. I don't think he means the fire of hell, but basically the fire of life. And you do suffer great loss if you don't build your home in him and through him. But we're going to use this a little differently and talk about the work of building the interior of who we are and maintaining the interior of who we are um, because it's going to be tested. And when it's tested, it's going to show what kind of work you've been doing in your heart, in the interior of who you are. All right, one other quick scripture, um, Philippians 2, 12. In the King James Version, New King James Version, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the Aramaic for that that's listed in um, 
the Passion Translation says, work the work of your life. Work the work of your life. So your life's work is going to look different than someone else's life work life's work because you've been given different circumstances, different challenges, different pains and traumas. So therefore different roots that have to be tended to in your heart, in the interior of who you are. Um, that word salvation, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling is a word that means deliverance, help, present and future salvation, the soul's safety. So basically the interior of who we are, just like a home, was meant to be the place where we feel safe. Therefore, it is the place where we are the most attacked by the enemy. And the enemy comes in from when we're very, very young to go after those core beliefs and thoughts about who we are, about our lives, about our father's heart towards us. And out of that, we need to be delivered. We need to be able to come on the other side of those traumas and those pains. We need to be delivered um, from the, the consequences of the health, literally our mental health and our physical health that comes as an overflow of the interior of, of who we are that's being built. All right, so what are the fruit, the blessings connected to when you live wholehearted because you've been committed to doing the work of taking care of the interior of who you are, maintaining the home, that safe place that, that was meant for you to have commune, communion with your father. All right, number one, it will lead to a well-rounded life, a well-rounded life. When you do the work of staying in conflict with those that you, God has put you in relationship with, when you don't run from them and it forces you, it forces us. When you're in a marriage, when you're in a relationship with your kids and you don't just disconnect when they move away and you stay connected and you continue to do the hard work it forces up those things in us that have to be dealt with. And it leads to having a well-rounded life because you end up having relationships with the people you were meant to have long-term relationships with. And it allows you in those relationships to really fully see, see them, see their hearts and be able to stay in the trenches of life with them. And you then become a part of helping them build the interior of who they are. You're part of the hands that God anoints to help build in their own lives according to the standard that God has for their own hearts and lives. Um, and you're, you experience community. And, you know, community looks different for different people. Sometimes community is found in your church home. Sometimes community is found with your immediate family and or maybe even your extended family. You're doing life with them. Maybe it's long distance through the phone and lots of phone conversations, et cetera. Maybe your community is um, who you work with. Maybe your community is um, a literal like neighborhood of, of people that you live near and y'all just happen to be good friends and, and you do life together. Maybe community is, you know, the group of 
moms or dads that, you know, you your kids are all friends with each other. Community can look different, but community is a part of that well-rounded life. And um, and so that is a blessing of doing that, that hard work on the interior of who you are, as you have a well-rounded life connected to people and them being able to be connected to you. Um, a second uh, blessing and fruit of committing to the interior work is you're able to do relationship um, with the Lord even when it gets hard. Now, you would think that's obvious. You know, a lot of people, that's only the only time they do relationship with God is when things get super, super hard. But for those who, um, you know, have had a relationship with God probably for most of your lives, then the flip sometimes starts happening where, you know, your things, you've learned enough and you've grown enough that you might not find yourself quite as needy as when things are really difficult. Maybe you're just in a season of life where things have kind of leveled out and stabilized. Maybe, you know, you don't have as many relationships. So, you know, you don't have little kids you're, you're trying to raise, teens anymore. And so you're just not as challenged in so many ways. But we want to be mature enough that, that even when things aren't hard, we stay connected and grounded in the Lord and we do the good parts of life with him too. Um, but so the second fruit and blessing is intimacy that touches loneliness. And I think that's one of the challenges that as you get older can really set in. For some people, it's a struggle their whole lives or maybe more so when they're younger. Um, but often it's for those as they get older, it's like, Maybe you haven't done enough of the interior work so that you you have kind of disconnected because it just it got too hard to stay in relationship. It got too hard to stay in community. You got too let down, too many disappointments. You, you start getting cynical and you're like, people, whew, you know, they're just hard to do life with. And so you begin to isolate more and more and more and loneliness sets in. Um but there is an intimacy that, that we have access to with the Lord and with others, especially with the Lord, when we do the interior work. And then the overflow of that, like I said in the first one, is it leads to a well-rounded life where you have more people in your life. Um, and, and none of what I'm saying is to bring shame to anyone. If this stuff relates, you know, if it resonates with you, you're never too old for things to shift and change. You're never too far along. You're never too shut away that God can't accomplish these things in you and then bring in new relationships, new community. Um, so there is an intimacy that touches loneliness. Um, we are, I, I loved this. There was um, one of the girls in, in the YouTube video um, that I'm telling you about. She is an artist and she talked about how for her, as she began to let God do that work in her, um, it it helped deal with the loneliness that had set in because she, she kind of subconsciously thought of herself like an art piece that she could just work on 
by herself and get in her own lane and just be her own person and then present it to the Lord. You know, like, let me just fix this and then it will just be beautiful for you. And the Lord pushed past that in her heart. And he said that he ordained others for her process, that she she was not her own piece of work, her own piece of artwork, that others God had ordained to come in and be a part of sculpting and shaping who and what she is. And of course, also the Lord too. But um, they talked about how you can hit a threshold, an interior longing that cannot be met other than being forced into a place where you sit with Jesus and you allow him to sit with you. And in that place, you discover that, that Jesus will sit with you through anything. He's not afraid of the, the complicated, entangled emotions that you have. In fact, he's really good at untangling them and getting to the root of things. And he will sit with you for as long as it takes when you're willing to get still and come to him. And, you know, these girls just do a beautiful job of talking about how he wants in on all of it, on all of the mess, all of the complicated places, all of the chaos of your heart and your thinking, those thought loops and those hyper fixations where we just read about in 1 Corinthians that those dominating thoughts that we get stuck in, he wants to go in on all of it. Um, and they, they gave a good practical tool here to journal his voice. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the voice of God in our lives. And something happens when you sit and you just begin to journal his voice and pour yourself out on paper. One of the things that I think helps is if, if you're afraid of that vulnerability, take a piece of paper and decide before you even write on it, you're going to tear it up and throw it away or burn it so that you know you can be completely honest on that piece of paper. Maybe you never want another living soul to ever see it or come across it. So you, you take a piece of paper and just pour your heart out on it and allow as, as we read in 1 Corinthians, allow yourself to ask those questions. What, what, is, what is ugly that's coming out? And you start usually on those surface places like, I feel angry or I keep lashing out at my spouse or whatever. I, I, um, I just have so much anxiety and I panic. Start there and then ask the deeper questions. Be led by the Holy Spirit and hear the Father and Jesus saying, and what else? And what else? And here she says it this way, sit down with me. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your heart. Tell me about the room, this room. You know, just you see on these the hoarder shows where someone will come in to the person that's stuck underneath these piles of years of things that they have accumulated and they'll literally take with incredible patience. They'll pick some one thing out of all of the piles of stuff and say, tell me about this. Tell me about why you have this here. 
how come you're not ready to get rid of this? And, and just the patience they have, to, that, is, that is a picture of the Holy Spirit's process with us. Tell me about this, this, this thought you have right here. Let's go a little deeper. Where, where did that first come in? Like, let's do the work and let's, let's get to the root of where this came from. You'd be surprised at how what maybe years of counseling might do. The Holy Spirit can do in a moment with just the right questions and you journaling out the questions and your responses to it. It will just unfold in front of you. Maybe tears will come. Maybe joy will come. But he will sit with you in it. That's the beauty of it. We have a God who has the capacity to meet with us through all of it and meet a need that no human can. A loneliness. There is a loneliness that only he can touch. There is a loneliness that only he can touch. And we need God's tenderness. Oh, if you hear anything I'm saying to you today, I would love for you to hear this so personal just for you. You need God's tenderness. You need God's tenderness. Let that just hit you in that really deep place right now. You need God's tenderness. You need his tenderness. There are places in your heart right now, I feel it in my own heart, where I need the tenderness of my father. And I can't get it through listening to someone else speak. I can get glimpses of it. I can get the first layers, but nothing can replace when I get into his presence by myself and encounter the tenderness of my father. And I just encourage you to do that kind of work with him. Another blessing is that you, when you do the interior work, you feel known, you feel seen. Now you can, the longer you've known God, you can tell people and tell yourself all day long, he knows me and he sees me. But to feel it, we were created to feel, not just know it in our, in our intellect, but to feel deeply and profoundly as much as we can possibly feel anything. Certainly feel stronger than the negative things we feel. We were created to feel known and to feel seen. And to the degree that we don't, We've either stopped wanting to feel known and feel seen because we're tired of feeling disappointed, so we just kind of get numb to that need, or to the degree that we don't feel known or seen, to that degree, we have work to do. And it's a good work, and it's the right work. Again, you're going to work hard at something, either keeping things at bay, managing behavior, or instead doing the right work with him. Another benefit of being, um, of, of, of going after the interior of who we are 
and letting that work happen in us and maintaining that work. And it's never finished. It's working out our fear, working out our fear, yes, but working out our salvation, that deliverance, that help, that safe place within us, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's an awe. It's not a like God's scary kind of fear. It's, it's an awe. Look what the Lord has done for me, in me. That's the awe, the fear, the trembling. That's I see him in a way that I couldn't see him before because I hadn't done the work. And my lens was clouded and fuzzy and all of this had accumulated around me in the interior of who I am. And I'm, I've been overwhelmed and I've just found myself every day trying to just survive all that is accumulated and the feelings and the, the frustrations and the anger and the lack of control or the trying to control. And it's just all here. And we weren't meant to function that way. We were meant to function with clarity and with that sense of feeling known and feeling seen and that order of a house, an interior that's well-maintained. Okay, another benefit, and I interrupted myself, but another benefit is that we are surrounded by the family of the Trinity. You were not meant to function outside of family, natural family and spiritual family and your heavenly family. You were born into a family for a reason. And if you didn't have a good family experience, guess what? God has other options for you that are even better, even better. And you never know when you do the interior work, what even natural family relationships he can restore. You know, they may not be ideal, but there's always a bridge. There is always a bridge to every person. Even if you have to agree to disagree on all kinds of things, there's always a bridge that can be built when you are healthy enough inside to, to recognize that bridge and walk across it. But it requires that inner work. All right. Um, so being surrounded by the family of the Trinity, there are there are roles that the Father, God, Jesus, your husband, Jesus, the lover of your soul, Jesus, your best friend, Jesus, your redeemer, Jesus, the one who is, is right now speaking to the Father about you, interceding for you, pleading your case, you know, happy and eager to talk to the Father about you and about your life and the things that are that are still playing out that need his attention. You have an intercessor in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, remember, is the one that is constantly there to comfort us. He, he, Holy Spirit is like the perfect mama, you know, the mama bear that's just there speaking truth and constantly for you and, and you know, comforting you and teaching you and not allowing you to stay where you are. All of that family was, was meant to be, that Trinity family was meant to be surrounding you at all times. And the truth is, they are, 
but we forget the access that we have when we're so busy trying to survive the chaos and that thought loop and that um, hyper fixation that we get from all the things and situations in our lives and in our hearts. All right, so surrounded by the family of the Trinity is part of it. In John 14, Jesus said, I am not leaving you as orphans. I will parent you, in other words. I have a father. I have a brother. I have a husband. I have um, a, a mother. That, that feminine part that you were meant to experience, that masculine part that you were meant to experience of God is fully available for you. Um, another wonderful benefit of doing the interior work is we have we will have a belief system that is healthy a belief system that is healthy in other words we will be delivered from those dysfunctional all-consuming thought loops that we get stuck in i'm just going to read some of the quotes that i wrote down from um from the two videos that I watched. And I still encourage you to watch them. If you haven't, you're, you're gonna love them. Um, you know, the Lord waits for us in those places that we feel anger, pain, and shame. The places that we need to be honest. They're messy places. They are our poorest places. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for they will see God. There is a way that we can rightly see God that affects our belief systems when we don't. When we don't see God as he really is and the nuances of as he really is, then we have, we have beliefs that then we act out of and we reap the consequences of those actions that then perpetuate more of those thought loops and those feelings that just consume us and exhaust us. So, for example, let's say that, um, you know, I have a dad who I misunderstand. I don't think that he has a good heart towards me. I misinterpret maybe um, things that happened in my life with him. And I think, okay, well, then therefore my dad doesn't love me right? Okay. So then that is a belief. And let's say my dad really did love me, but he just, um, you know, didn't have access to, uh, provision that would have made me feel more loved or more seen by him. So I misinterpret his heart towards me. Then therefore I have a belief that he doesn't love me. And then I end up acting out of that belief in my relationship with him, but also in my relationship with myself, because then I don't see the value that I have because I think he didn't love me. So why would I love me? Um, and then I start acting out of that. So maybe then I make decisions with other guys, men in my life, because I don't see my value. And then, you know, you can see the trickle down effect, right? Of, of a wrong belief. So it is so important to have a healthy belief system and be delivered from the lies 
that have come in through the things that we've been through in life that have caused us to believe lies about ourselves, about God, and about others. But we are blessed when we realize that those poor places in us will be the very places that allow us to see God rightly. We're blessed when we have a messy place that needs the attention of God because in that place of getting to do the work with him, we actually learn to see him rightly. And he teaches us to see ourselves rightly. We learn how to hide ourselves in the person of Jesus and be defined by him, by his beauty, by his justice, by his love, not by ours. Our love is inferior. Our justice is inferior. Our way of seeing things is always inferior to his. And it's it's him and his perspective that defines us, not the lies that we believe, not the voice inside of us that is constantly lying to us. And that voice comes out of that belief system. Whether it's the enemy's voice or your own voice, it almost doesn't matter if it's a lie. And a lie has to be undone with correct belief system. Um, they challenge us in this video to think about the stages of our life and look at the lies such as, in order to be a powerful person, you have to be full of faith. You have to have confidence. You have to not show disappointment because you look at all these people that you look up to spiritually and you think, well, they, they don't seem like they struggle with that. And they just seem like spiritually they have it all together. So I need to get it together spiritually before I can actually be a powerful person or be the kind of person that I want to be. And so we just stay stuck in trying to be something that we can't be in our own strength. And it's, it's never, it was, we were never meant to just deal with outward behaviors. We were meant to go after the things that fuel the outward behavior. And then it's not work at that point. The work is done inside. I'm trying to think of even the analogy, like in a home, the work is to keep things from piling up. The work should never be like, I got to come in and clean out every single room in my house. That only happens when you haven't been doing the maintenance work all along. All right. Belief systems need to be undone that aren't true to his nature as a friend, a father, a lover of our soul. Where is the pressure coming from is a good question to ask yourself when you're journaling or when you're sitting with the Lord and you're saying, let's do the interior work. Where is the pressure coming from? You know, pressure is another word for pain, right? Sometimes you're, you're, it's easier to get in touch with it when you think of it as, as pain, but sometimes people don't relate to the pain, but they do relate to pressure or stress. So where is that pressure or stress coming from? It's not coming from the Lord. It's never coming from him. That's not how he works. That's not who he is. So where is it coming from? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Life is pressure and he is in the places of pressure. He's there waiting for you in those places of pressure and mess. Um... 
He waits until we can learn something. He waits until we can learn something. So we pull away and we hide those areas of our hearts and our lives because we don't want to show him. You know, we do what Eve and Adam did in the very beginning. We realize, ah, there's something not good here. And at least subconsciously, we hide those places from the Lord and, and even from ourselves sometimes. And I love the tenderness that God showed Adam and Eve. Once he asked them, where are you? And you'll hear this in the videos. Um, Melissa re refers to this. I believe it was her, one of the beautiful women there. Um, where are you? The Lord is asking, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? How are you? What's going on right now? Tell me where you are. And sometimes that draws us even out of a place of hiding. We, we, we hid from ourselves or from him or from the people around us because we don't want to be vulnerable. And it's in the place of vulnerability and being yielded and surrendered to how we don't have control, surrendered to the fact that we do need him and other people to come into those places and we have to open up and expose and be vulnerable and 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 put bring into the light the places where we're like is this even normal to think this and feel this or there's so much in here i don't even know where to begin and yet that's where he is he's waiting and he's ready to go after those places if we'll just be vulnerable and surrender. There's a lie that says, don't be the needy one. You know, depending on what you grew up under, right? I remember looking up at my dad at my mom's funeral when I was 12 and saying to him, I don't know if I said it in these exact words, but what I was thinking and feeling was, I'm not crying. Aren't you proud of me? Because I believed a lie through my mom's battle with cancer and through her death. I believed a lie that no one could handle my neediness and that it was better if I protected everyone from how needy I felt inside. And that did not work for me. It worked maybe for a little while, but it all just accumulated and waited and waited and accumulated. And eventually the tears came. And um, yeah. So the lie, don't be a needy one, whether you're a man or a woman, Jesus himself was needy. He allowed himself to need the father. He was completely and utterly dependent on God. He even allowed himself to need others. Um, I love this. This is the last, um, the last benefit or fruit that we'll cover of doing the interior work. And that is when you do the interior work, you are honoring your own story. You're honoring your own story. Okay, what does that mean? One of the things that they, they talked about frequently in the videos was allowing emotions to pass through you rather than hiding from them, ignoring them, trying to manage your emotions or stuffing them. Again, 
what I mentioned a moment ago, I don't think I finished my thought, but was, you know, depending on how you grew up, for me, it was, okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna hide my emotions from other people so that I don't overwhelm anyone, right? One of the girls here was, was explaining in the video that for her, she grew up in a really, um, feminine household because she, she was one of four sisters and I can relate to this with having four daughters but there was a lot of feminine emotions and and um and powerful emotions it's, it's not a bad thing but a lot of processing of anxiety and fears and all of that and passions and um and of course the hormonal she didn't bring this up but I'm bringing it up the hormonal cycles that our bodies take us through there's a lot of emotion there and she said for her, her response to that was basically, um, you know, I don't know that she said it this way, but she kind of judged that and thought, I'm not going to be a person who has a lot of emotions to manage. So she ended up kind of training herself to almost be a numb person, like to just numb herself and not feel not give herself permission to feel deeply. And so, you know, it could have been the opposite for her. She could have, you know, been like, in order to be loved and accepted, I have to be super emotional and super passionate. She could have gone to the other extreme. The point is, we all take on ways of being from things that we go through when we're young and our perception of those things. And then our beliefs that we build around that. And those sometimes work for us when we're young, but it's not working for us as an adult, right? Maybe it helped us survive what we were going through at the time, but we're not that child anymore. We've moved on and we need to mature and allow our, our spirit to catch our, our inner world up with where God has us now. My stomach is growling. If you can hear that on the microphone, I don't know. Um, so how do we honor our own story? And how do we allow these emotions to actually pass through us and not just stuff them or hide from them? And they just talked about like the simplicity of you don't lay down in your sorrow and in your grief and just park there, but you allow those emotions to pass through you. You go to the Lord. You go to those who he's placed in your life, your community, and you become vulnerable. You become transparent. You expose your heart. You expose what you're feeling. You validate what you're feeling. Sometimes we continue to feel something stronger and stronger and stronger because we do not slow down enough to validate it when we first feel it. And so we get we like we're like a lawyer. We just build a case around it. We just we just continue to just tell ourselves in that thought loop why we should be angry, why it's okay to be angry and why we should stay angry because it's blah, blah, blah. You know, when, if the, if we allow that emotion to pass through us and acknowledge it and go, I feel angry right now. And you know what? That was abuse that I just experienced. It makes sense that I'm angry. Holy Spirit, will you sit in this place of anger and pain with me? And, and show me how to process this as it passes through me. I'm not going to let it consume me. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to stuff it. I'm dealing with it right now with you. I'm going to do the hard work now so that I don't have worse 
work to do later. Um, that's how you honor your own story. You acknowledge that this is a real emotion that you get to experience because of your life. What's happening in your story is producing that emotion. I think sometimes men need to hear this even more than, than us women need to hear it. You have permission to feel. Jesus allowed himself to feel and feel deeply. He allowed himself to be moved with compassion. He allowed himself to weep. So at any moment, can God search you and know you? At any moment, would you give God permission to search you and know you? That, that scripture doesn't just mean, you know, ooh, let's see, is there sin in there? Mm, let's deal with that sin. No, it's, it's, it speaks of intimacy. It speaks of at any moment, does he have permission, just like someone in your life that would be just a close confidant to just pull you aside and go, are you okay? How you doing? What's going on? I noticed you're a little tense today, or I noticed you're a little like agitated, or you're, 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 uh, you just seem down. Like, let's talk about that. Can we have, can you have that level of intimacy with God? You can. You were created to have that kind of intimacy with God, where He has permission at any moment to search you and know you. Can he say, where are you? He's coming for you because he loves you. He pursues you and he lingers with you. He's the one that will walk across broken glass that you threw down yourself, that you dared him to come across. He's the one that pursues your heart. He's the one that when you run, he runs after you. He's the one that will sit with you through your rage, through your grief. He will not leave you alone in anything that you are going through. He's close. He's closer than your breath. And anything that tells you otherwise is a lie. He's here for you in the hard moments and the easy moments in every moment of your life, in every season, he is with you. So in part two, I want to talk more about these thought loops. And a teaser for that is that the thing that fuels the thought loops, and I love how these, these women got into this, is typically anxiety. There's fear, there's worry, there's concern, there's anxiety that is fueling whatever thought loop that you get stuck in. So maybe in preparing for next week, start recognizing when you get caught in a thought loop and begin to ask yourself, what fear or anxiety um, or lie is behind this place that I'm finding myself stuck in? And then do the hard work. Reap the blessings that we talked about today. I'll just um, cover those very briefly again. When you do the hard work of taking care of the interior of who you are, you're committed to that work as maintenance. These are the rewards that you reap. You have a well-rounded life. 
You have an intimacy with the Lord and those around you that touches the loneliness. You um, feel known and seen. You know that you're surrounded by the family of the Trinity. And you have a belief system that's healthy. And out of that belief system, you act and you reap the consequences of good choices in your life. And then finally, you are honoring to your own story. You, you let the story that you have no control over, mostly not a whole lot of control over, that you're living, you allow yourself to experience the most honoring version of that story. Maybe you're single and you don't want to be. Maybe you've never had kids and you just long to have kids. Maybe you're poor and you've just never been able to be, you know, get ahead in life where you feel like you're stable financially. Whatever your kind of like big overarching thing of your life that this is the one thing that I wish that I could change. Even if that thing never changes, can you do the best version of your story, of that story? Can you honor the story that you're living in? And you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can. You can do the hard work. And uh, we'll learn more about it next week. Um, I appreciate you being kind of on this little journey with me and letting me externally process with you as I've been learning it. Again, um, I just want to say thank you to Melissa Helser and these beautiful women that she had a conversation with in these two videos. The links are in the description if you want to go watch them yourself. Um, and I just bless you. Um, I was going to read a scripture over you. I think I'll, I'll read that scripture over you next week. But I bless you today to um, commit yourself to the hard work, the right hard work. All right. I'll see you next time on Choose Love.